Get ready for conflicts where movie reviews collide. And welcome to Conflicts, the podcast. It is I, Laura, your moderator, and today I am joined by our reviewers, Rich. Say hey, Rich. Hey, Rich. Always count on him for a dad joke. And Nick. Say hey, Nick. Hello. And today we are reviewing 2018's Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I feel like we should have like seen that, but I'm like, hello. <laughs> Hello. I was going to say, I want to do like, is this the podcast or is it the movie? Oh. In a brief synopsis of the film, Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of Queen, defies stereotype and convention to become one of history's most beloved entertainers. The band's revolutionary sound and popular songs lead to Queen's meteoric rise in the 1970s. After leaving the group to pursue a solo career, Mercury reunites with Queen for the benefit concert Live Aid, resulting in one of the greatest performances in rock and roll history. This film was released November 2nd, 2018, stars Rami Malek and many more, and is directed by Brian Singer. Uh, how big of an impact? S- sort of. <laughs> yeah he wasn't there for like half of the way uh, it was actually like the last three weeks he got fired that was when like the whole thing came out against him yeah. and he's like uh, uh, my parents are sick i can't show up and you're like or <laughs> maybe it's the right. horrific allegations against you yeah. and turns out you're a terrible person so he was fired and somebody else directed it and i can't remember that guy's well, name well good for them yeah for it's kind of funny him. though because they didn't like no i don't think it's funny at all no, actually no, no, they didn't he's really bad no, no, I'm saying like on IMDb, it just says Brian Singer. Well, it's I think, not Brian Singer. I and think by, I don't want to say legally, that's not the right term, but due to. There are guilds. Yeah, and due to the guild, guild agreements, they, they have to. He was. Ah. Like, they, no, that, no, no. I don't think what he did was funny. I was saying it was funny because of IMDb. Contractually, he has to be up there and so on and so forth. They don't really have a choice there. Uh-huh. But yeah, no. And he did direct most of it, so. How big of an impact on you guys' life has Queen music had? How big of Queen fans are you guys? Since I was probably in maybe preschool, kindergarten. Mm-hmm. That's that's how long I've been listening to them. Like, is to that the question that you're friend. asking? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're. I know. Sorry, Rich. I think that Freddie Mercury died when ninety three ish. Maybe mm-hmm. it was around that 94. time. I thought it was ninety four. So, Let me check on that. But I think it was 95. So I don't think he was like performing after Live Aid anymore. Uh, he did a little, not a lot. Yeah. Uh, he he did a lot of recording, life. but not a lot of performing. Right. So like. He pretty much recorded right up until he died. To me, the first time I ever uh, ha- heard were, Queen. What? You were closer to right. It was 91. I was okay. mistaken. Oh. So I was in kindergarten when he died. So <laughs> what year school. did Wayne's World come out? Because I had that. Uh, Wayne's World, I believe, was 94, 95. Um, no, I think part two came out in like 95. 92. 92. All right. Yeah, because right I remember I got the soundtrack for Christmas for Wayne's World. And you thought you discovered Queen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Everybody then, did. But then I got like the Greatest Hits album. Yeah. I have vinyl from them. My mom was like, no, no, fool. <laughs> this is Queen. <laughs> like, <laughs> not on the soundtrack. How so. about you, Rich? How's your relationship to Queen? I love Queen. 
Love, love, love Queen. They would make a list of some of my all-time favorite bands. I really just believe they are the strange, perfect alignment of talent that creates something inexplicably great. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean this to be as funny as it's going to come out, but Queen was so good that everybody ignored the fact that you know Freddie Mercury was pretty flaming. Uh, yeah, you know, and at the time that was not okay. Oh no, it was completely. Hor- I mean, homophobia was. I don't want to say it's peak, but it was pretty rampant, and we all just pretended like, no, no, it's it's it's, it's okay. Uh, even though we all knew, uh, but it was just everybody loved him. So it was much. so damn good that we all wanted to like Queen. That everybody overlooked it, and so <laughs> for the record, it is okay that he was gay. <laughs> like, no, no, <laughs> I'm speaking about the times. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously it is. But at the time in the culture, it wasn't okay to be gay and not that openly. And it definitely wasn't okay to be like, I like that music by that uh, by that gay guy. Uh, you know, you, oh really? They, mm-hmm. well, no, it really no, wasn't. It was you, didn't, not. you didn't say that shit out loud. Not unless you really wanted to. You got suffer. called the F word if you said that stuff out oh. loud. See, I don't know. Like the very first Queen record that I ever heard from beginning to end was actually, I was in third grade. Uh, my brother's friend, my brother's four years older than I am, but uh, he actually had, like, I can remember this like it was yesterday. He was the first person I ever played D&D with. First time I ever listened to a full Metallica album. Mm-hmm. And he had... Uh, a queen album. And that was the first like full queen album I had ever like really heard from beginning to end. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he had like a drum set. He'd try and play it. He sucked, but like, it was like, I'm like, yeah, you sound just like the album. Rock out. <laughs> que- queen, queen is amazing. They're one of the best bands of yeah. all time. And it was actually News of the World album. I had to look it up. I was like, I knew what album cover it was. I just didn't Mm -hmm. know the name of the album. I know so many album covers and not the title. All right. Well, a couple of fun facts about the movie. The original choice and the person who was approached for the role of Freddy was actually Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Which I feel like could have been a very strong choice. Rami Malek did a great job. Um, The film created an exact replica of the Live Aid stage for the end of the film when they are doing Live Aid. That stadium still exists, but it's been remodeled Mm -hmm. several times since then. And Mm. they created it like down to the detail. They actually had to go back through footage to do so because like nobody had plans or drawings. So they went back through footage of concerts and including the real Live Aid concert to in order to recreate it. And it worked. Uh, another fun fact, if you are a friend of the podcast, you know we recently did a Jurassic Park versus Jurassic World, and Joseph Mazzello of Jurassic Park fame played Queen's bassist in the movie. Mm, indeed. I believe if we go look it up, uh, was it Taylor? One of the band members vetoed Sasha Baron Cohen, I believe. Uh, I don't remember which one it was, now, but I'm pretty certain that one of them vetoed him being that would be too comedic and didn't like, mm. didn't think his body of work suited what they were going mm-hmm. for. And Which I, th- I understand. I think I probably would agree with that, even though he is a great actor in many ways. He does look like Freddie Mercury, though. He does look like him. Rami Malek did a really good oh. job portraying him. Nah, though. he nailed it. Yeah, I mean, there's like side-by-side photos, and I'm just like, dang, you look yeah, him, just like him. Him and Brian May, I mean, they those two were just like, yeah, it's spooky how well they did. Yeah. Well, and he did such a good job speaking with the dental implants mm-hmm. for the overbite and not sounding like, hey, I have plastic in my mouth. Uh, yeah. There's a few times I thought that way, but I, I, in general, I agree with you. But there was a couple times I thought a little over the top. There's some things you can't help the fact because you do have plastic in your mouth. But mm-hmm. for the most part, he didn't speak as though he had plastic in his right. mouth. And that I respect. Uh, working with his, what is it, a dialect coach? Mm-hmm. He nailed that. Perfect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And also, what would it be? Would it 
for like mannerisms, the, the choreography and the yeah, mm-hmm. like oh, the general nailed every yeah. single just the research move. part yeah. of it. I very much respected. All right, let's dive right in, guys. Nick, mm-hmm. what grade are you going to give this movie? Um, I'd probably give it just. I'd probably say a B plus. Yeah. Only because I wanted a little bit more of a history of Queen. And it sort of was like, oh, yep, Freddie Mercury showed up to this club, decided he wanted to be their singer. Next thing he was their singer, and then it moved on to them starting their album. Mm-hmm. I wanted a little bit further detail. and Also not historically accurate, that scene. Oh, really? Yeah, See, it, I don't know. It's well documented. They all knew each other beforehand. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I wanted a little bit more of like a backstory. All right. How about you, Rich? I'm going to give this a B minus, and I'm being really, really, really generous. So I, this is going to be confusing, but let me get through this. I love this movie. I love, love, loved watching this movie. Enjoyed the hell out of it. My life is a soundtrack. In my head, there's a constant soundtrack every waking moment of my life and most of my sleeping moments too. <laughs> and Queen is often in it. Since I've seen this movie, that's about all that's been mm-hmm. in my little private soundtrack up here. And this movie was just fantastic for that. It was hard for me to not belt out in the song while watching mm-hmm. the movie. And so this was this was a fantastic experience for me. And then you're probably wondering, well, you know, you didn't give it all that great of a rating. Here's why. I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's the best music video I've ever seen. Mm. Oh, I, I, I think as a movie, Nick is a little bit right here. They failed. What was this? Was this a documentary? Because they were historically inaccurate in many locations. Plus, they really didn't deep dive into anything. Now, some people say they shied away from certain aspects. and I don't think they shied away from it. Not any more so than they did every aspect of it. I think they just kind of gave us the surface of it. I think they romanticized Freddie Mercury's life and Queen, didn't give us the knit and grit. What they gave us were the cool parts and the fun parts and the parts that made us want to cheer and sing along, which, like I said, makes it the best music video I've ever seen. I agree with you on that because I only gave it a B plus because I love the music. (laughs) I think that's really valid though. If I'm going to go ahead and dive into mine, I actually gave it a C for this movie for very similar reasons, Rich. The music was transcendent. I just loved it, the moments in the studio and as they're creating Bohemian Rhapsody. My God, I loved that part so much. But ultimately, it was really slow. Parts of it were boring. It was limited in the storytelling and it kind of came out as lackluster and really just a Pollyanna look at Freddie Mercury's life. There was a lot more dirt. There was a lot more nitty gritty in Queen on the whole. And that really kept me from grading this higher. The C that I gave it is wholly on the shoulders of the representation of music and just how spot on Rami Malik was with his Freddie Mercury mannerisms. Well, so much of the casting so on, and so acting, forth. in my opinion, was fantastic. Yeah. As far as recreating, they did an amazing job. The sets, the look, the feel, the music. They recreated this so, so perfectly. I mean, I'm old enough. I remember Live Aid. I remember watching this concert when it was real. Now, I don't remember if I watched it when it itself was live because they rebroadcast a lot of Live mm. Aid because it was happening in so many locations and so many time frames that you weren't always watching it live. And sometimes you just kind of got like the greatest hits version in the evening where they would show you certain concerts and so on and so forth. So I don't remember what the feed I was watching was, was live, but I watched it when it was on. So it may have been 
somewhat mm-hmm. delayed. But I remember this set. I remember several others. So when they showed this again, it took me back to that. Uh, honestly, it was better than the set because, you know, our TVs were crappy then. Right. And you didn't get the close-ups kind of the way you do now and the, the performance. Uh, so in some ways, it was almost better. So it took me back then. It was amazing. And like I said, I had such a fantastically fun time. But at the same time, like you, you guys are just recreating a performance. So is that, I mean, did we really need to see the entire Live Aid set to get the point across? Or was it, that the entire set? No, they missed no, two songs. songs. It, was, it was most of them. I want to say there was just two songs that they didn't do. Because uh, they only had, I mean, they were right. They only had a certain uh, time frame. Now, uh, they, was that true that they almost didn't get on Live Aid? I believe it's mostly true. Oh, okay. And, you know, there's a lot of inaccuracies in the movie. Like, you know, they made it seem like Freddie quit the band and went off to do his solo material. They recorded like two albums together as Queen while he was recording his solo material. Now, I know there was a lot of them not getting along then, but to what extent? I don't know. I'd love to have actually seen how that played out. But instead, we just got the shortcut version so we could have... Uh, a really cool long rock concert then, which I loved. Well, and it does kind of raise the question of at the end of the day, would you rather see a movie about the human experience or about the glitz and glamour of it all? Because I feel like this movie gave you the glitz and glamour of it all. Yeah, there was a little bit of rough around the edges and parts that weren't as glamorous, but ultimately I would have preferred to see the real story of what actually happened and his spiraling into his drug abuse and his spiraling into abusive relationships and climbing his way back out and finding his way back to a healthy place as a human being, that would have held much more interest for me than what it was, which is pretty accurate what you called it, Rich, which was a long action music video and a love story. So I, and I had a like interesting discussion with my wife and some of my friends, because I remember the AIDS epidemic. I have some personal reasons for remembering it very well. And I also remember because it was just so prominent in the culture at the time. I remember this time frame. Um, I unfortunately had to have some major surgeries around this time frame when getting blood was a major issue mm. uh, to the point where it, uh, yeah, they w- it was a problem. I won't go into the whole story, uh, but let's just say it was uh, dicey. It, it was a problem because getting blood was difficult and testing blood to make sure it was okay was also very difficult and time consuming, which turned out to be the problem. So I remember all this. So one of the great criticisms, uh, I say great, but one of the big criticisms of Freddie Mercury, he did not admit he had AIDS until the day before he died. And after he died, the fact that he had AIDS, because he was really one of the first big celebrities and famous rock stars, and everybody loved Freddie Mercury. So he's one of the first ones that died of AIDS. So it kind of snowballed into this awareness of AIDS that happened afterwards. You know, they, they set up a foundation, and it became much more of the uh, public conversation, and it was so super helpful for that epidemic and just general awareness that people say if he would have admitted it years before, that could have happened years before. And they feel like there's a chance that maybe he set it back some. He was somebody who really could have pushed that forward. But it's one of the big criticisms for Freddie Mercury. Now, I think it's speculation. It's a revisionist history to, to look back and say if he would have come out with his AIDS years before, it would have had an impact. Because mm-hmm. we just don't know what would have happened. Maybe Well, and he also had the too. personal right to mm-hmm. withhold that information because as your personal health crisis the business of the rest of the world. He also had the right to hold that information into himself. I agree. He definitely had the right to. People just think that his reasoning was wrong, I I suppose. Uh, You know, I'm going to withhold judgment on that because I just, I I don't think there's a right or wrong Mm -hmm. answer uh, to this one. But it's an interesting thing to sit there and speculate 
uh, about. I, but I also think that they didn't dive into it well enough in this one. Uh, you know, they, they didn't uh, dress it a whole lot, honestly. You know, once again, I don't feel like they sugarcoated. I don't think they shied away from it. No more so than they, like I said, they did all the other elements of the movie. Uh, but his friend, uh, his uh, his uh, personal assistant, and I think what he actually was, that Peter, the guy, you know, they have the dramatic scene where he fires him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had AIDS and died the same year as Freddie Mercury. Mm. The DJ that they show uh, actually popularizing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody also died of AIDS several years later. Uh, if you look through the cast of characters in Freddie Murphy's actual life, a lot of them died of AIDS. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, Jim Hutton, his uh, his boyfriend there at the end, had AIDS or was was well, uh, and so many queer men of the time did. It they was did. it was almost an expected outcome of your life. It was in many ways, and we can almost have a whole discussion on the the cultural aspects of that. All I'll say is I lived through that time. Uh, now I, I I am a straight male, so uh, you know there was uh, I, you know I didn't have to worry about mm-hmm. it from that standpoint. But at the time, everybody was scared to get AIDS. They were asking the questions: What if you know if you know a gay person, can you get AIDS by being near them? What if they sneeze yeah, on you? Yeah, how do you get what it? If, what if, what if they get mad and spit at you? What if they slip and fall and cut themselves? Uh, you know, can you get AIDS? Well, and all the, of those like ways? the Greg Luganis diver incident of yep. you know cutting his head and what that meant. Everybody was terrified of this because there was no there was no treatment. People talk about a cure, and there's never been a cure, but the treatment now. Uh, as a, by the way, a, a really wonderful way to highlight how the medical industry can be amazing. Mm-hmm. The treatments that we have just this short time later, so it, much more. Advanced. It is much more of a chronic illness than an immediate death sentence that it was. But at the time, it was a death sentence. You know, I remember all the fear and the panic and just the actual terror that was in the, the culture at the time. And and they, I really wish we'd have touched on that a little more in this. And Instead of glossing over it. But yeah. it would have made a big downer for a music video. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, now seems a good time to kind of dive into the female factor for this movie. It had a very limited female cast. So I've kind of actually chosen to take this a different route for a moment and alter this segment into more of a queer factor and look at it from that perspective for a moment. And Freddie was one of the first out and proud idols that we had. And while I felt that this film fell flat in a lot of ways, the bravery of queer representation wasn't necessarily one of them for me. Back in the late 70s and early 80s, coming out was so different than it is now. And to do so in the public eye had to have been terrifying. And the fact that this movie didn't really shy away from that is probably one of my favorite parts. It would have been easy to glaze right over the uncomfortable parts of the story. But in this aspect, they didn't do that. Is it true to life? No. But is it brave nonetheless? Absolutely. The education of queer history is so important. And to know where gay history came from is so important. So many young people don't know about Stonewall or the ball culture or why we celebrate pride every year. And telling stories like this of trailblazers helps us to understand the uphill battle that has gotten us this far. And as far as that aspect of this movie goes, I wholeheartedly approve of it. I would have liked a little more. I would have liked a little more honestness, a little more earnestness, a little more grit. But I was happy with what we got. 
Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna do a little riches rant here. Go right and ahead. It's gonna be a super downer. Okay, I'm just gonna prepare. Oh, we're gonna bring the room so, right down. Yeah. So as far as hey, this is a funny podcast. The subject I'm getting ready to touch on is not funny. Probably gonna be controversial, but so like I said I remember this time frame. Mm-hmm. I, I lived through and this I, time I frame. I admittedly do not. And I'm gonna get into some murky territory it. because once again, I, I am a. I am a straight guy, uh, so people are going to think I'm talking for gay people, and that's not my intention here. I'm just remembering my perceptions from the time. People would say, you know, the AIDS was punishment to the the queers at the time. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it was it was said a, a lot. A lot of people believe that. And even not in the ones who said it out loud, a lot of people thought it, believed it, and thought that, you know, because what they were doing was wrong, that's what either caused this to happen or allowed it to happen. There was a lot of that in the in the culture at the time. What I think is uh, ironic to me is that uh, the reason why this was such an epidemic in the gay culture at the time wasn't necessarily because they're gay, but because they weren't accepted. So what happened is you had a culture of people who weren't allowed to be openly gay. They weren't allowed mm-hmm. to have open relationships. You couldn't have a married gay couple, people living together. So they weren't allowed to have these long-term relationships. It just wasn't acceptable. And it was entirely too risky for them to do so because people would find out and then you would really be ostracized. And in danger. So what you would have is these people be forced into essentially, say, underground clubs and these underground scenes. And yes, the you know the, the drug use was a little more rampant because these people were trying to work through their shit and they had no other way to do it. And people didn't know. And people didn't know. So when you put those people in that group and the sex becomes a little more free because once again, they have no other option. It's the only outlet they have to try to be who they are. So the fact that we put them in that closet and forced them all in that corner together is what created the recipe for this disease disease to take hold there because it didn't actually start in the gay community but it did become a problem it was propagated because there. yes for those reasons because well it was the perfect incubator for for such a such an illness the situation was, wasn't created by gay people it was created by straight people it was created not by allowing culture. not allowing people to be gay yeah that's the problem and like i said it was one of those things obviously i didn't realize that at the time it's something i, no I came did. to understand later but it ironically wasn't the gays fault if there's anybody to blame you you, you need to blame it the straight was the culture. fault and absolutely uh, that then that's just in in a way this uh, is terrifying now not to say that we aids wouldn't have existed had you know everybody been, right. uh, been out and proud but it definitely would have been very different very very different and probably You're not wrong. So, probably so more, far more contained because by the time it became such a thing unfortunately it had spread so far and so mm-hmm. fast through that culture. And it's really tragic that that's the case, but you are absolutely hit the nail on the head in what the ultimate problem was is that people couldn't live their lives out and proud and they had to live their life in the shadows. And when you hide in the shadows and can't be your real self, a lot of things can happen. There are there are unfortunately risks and downsides. And this was uh, a, an extremely unfortunate one uh, in our history. Well, we've just talked about something that's <laughs> quite possibly the worst yeah. of times. So let's bring the tempo back up and talk about the best of times and the worst of times. Nick, I'm going to start with you. If you have to pick something about this movie that's absolutely the best for you, what are you going to go with? Well, obviously the music. <laughs> 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 uh, I, and the cast, the uh, mm-hmm. cast choice. Yeah, really. I mean, it is like what everybody, everybody keeps saying. It was a music video. So, I mean, it was great music. And yeah, it was a great, great stand music. in a Freddie Mercury. <laughs> How about you, Rich? What's your best? I, you know, I'm going to go a little weird with this, but I laughed 
hysterically to the point where I had to pause the stinking movie listening to Mike Myers. Oh, that was great. Be extremely meta and talk about his scene from Wayne's World in which he's talking about Queen. I mean, it's just it's, yes. it's meta-layered epic scene where, you know, and I was, that wasn't obviously Mike Myers. You know, he looks so, so very different. I mean, I knew it going in, but it, it was it was just so hilarious to me. I'm like, that cracked me up to no end. That was delightful. I'm actually with Nick on this one. I have to give it to the music. I mean, come on, it's Queen doing Queen. What's not to love? I would have watched those scenes over and over and over again in the studio, the Live Aid part. Oh, it fed my soul to see that music. But there always has to be a flip side of the coin. Rich, you just told us what was the best. What's the worst? Uh, you know, it's difficult to put my finger on one thing that's bad, but I'm going to say just the overall historical inaccuracies mm-hmm. of which there were many, which it's interesting because, you know, Brian May was an executive producer on this movie. So he had a fair amount of input. And actually, I believe several of them did. Uh, you know, of course, the other three are all still alive. Uh, once again, I believe though Taylor doesn't do much. I think he pretty much just chills uh, <laughs> ever since then. So that's why I wonder why these choices were made. But there are a number of very well-known historical accuracies uh, you know, in this, in this film. And I just asked myself why. And I'm going to talk about the things that maybe they shied away from, but just the simple things like, you know, they're just they, making crap up. Well, they did know each other before they, you know, they, he didn't just meet them one night at a, at a, at a bar and say, Hey, I want to be in your band. And they said, yeah, cool. Let's do that. That's not how that happened at all. They knew each other already. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, I believe Freddie Mercury already knew uh, Elton John. Huh. All yeah, there right. was there was a connection through there. It wasn't a coincidence that they had the same manager, uh, who was also, by the way, gay and died of AIDS. All right. How about you, Nick? What fell flat for you? Uh, well, I guess, since <laughs> none of it was historically accurate, that well, sort of irks not, me now. Not none of it, but if you look through it, there was a lot of... You know, like I said, the, the way they made it seem that uh, he kind of quit the band and left. It's not right. how that happened. They recorded a lot of crap after that. I don't know. I I thought that it was a little long for what it was to get to the mm-hmm. opus at the end. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> to get to Live Aid. You're yeah. just like, all right, I want to see Live Aid now. I'm kind of done watching this. That's actually mine. Like, the worst part for me was the pacing. It was really, it would kind of sprint for a minute, and then it would go to a slow walk, and then it would go back to a sprint. And really the pacing wasn't wasn't even for me and didn't hold my attention the whole time. And just the pacing of the movie really was not what I was looking for. I like a I like a steady pace that keeps me interested. And there were several times I found myself playing on my phone and was like, put your phone down, woman, and pay attention to the movie. All right, guys, I think we've come to an end and let's all end this by naming our favorite queen song. Rich, what's your favorite Queen song? Oh, my goodness. You're going to put me on the spot? For I a... am. You have to pick one. It's like picking a favorite child. Man. I mean, I... Okay. You, you guys are going to laugh at me for this because it's the obvious choice. But I swear to you, not... You know, the, these things are not related. If you, if you were to ask my wife what my favorite kind of song is, she's going to tell you the power ballad. Oh, okay. And, you, and I know you're not going to be with me on this one, but Bohemian Rhapsody is a power ballad. It, it is. It it's is a power, power absolutely ballad. Absolutely a power ballad. It is 
the song that combines all of the things that I love about music. You know, you know they refer to it as an operatic section. I call it the musical section <laughs> followed by the other musical section. And they put it all together in one amazing song with all these different styles that highlights everything I love about music. It gave me the full range of emotions. You're sad, you're happy, you're mad, you're banging your head around and thrashing like a maniac all in one song? Oh, hell yeah. All right. Going with Bohemian Rhapsody. How about you, Nick? <laughs> so I'm opposite because <laughs> I, not that I do not like Bohemian Rhapsody. I love that song, but it's sort of like that journey song that everybody karaoke. Don't now. stop believing. Yes. And yep. I'm kind of like. It's a little overplayed for you. Yeah. But I don't like journey and I love queen. Mm-hmm. So it's different. Get out. Sorry. I love Journey, so you're I'm dead sorry. to me. Although, no. I, to be fair, I like a lot of the Journey that is not uh, the, you know, the radio popular songs. Right. Right. So my favorite, and it has been for a very long time, is Bicycle. Yeah. All right. Because it's fun. I mean, picking your favorite Queen song, I mean, come on. That's, that's right. almost impossible. But that song is just fun. Like oh, the lyrics a, you're sitting there listening to, and you're like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's all over the place. Still, it's just a great song. My uh, my favorite Queen song was written about myself and is my personal motto, and that would be Fat Bottom Girl. <laughs> <laughs> if you could see my ass right now, you'd get it. It has been sitting for a while. That... <laughs> oh, that's my absolute favorite, and I love it, and I'll stand by it till the day mm. I die. A song about a naked bicycle race. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it's about. It's, still, it's just a fun song. Oh, it's a great song. All right, you guys, what do you say? That's a wrap? That is a wrap. All right, we'll see you next time. 